0: Block Talk Radio What's going on everybody? As promised, it's the last NBA Heavy Car Session Sports Report and it starts right now. Tune in. Let's get it.
1: We the best
2: music, music. Oh, this will be doing here? Another one, another one I might have to put on my jewelry for this one Rave talk, rap talk Oh, we're talking that Rave talk Safe talk, safe talk Here we go, talking that safe talk Major key alert key Oh, we good now, oh, we good now Major bag alert DJ Khaled I got, keys, 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 keys. I got them keys, keys, keys I got them keys, keys, keys I got them keys, keys, keys I got them keys
0: Yes sir. Yes sir. yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. As always, it's your host, job. I'm locked in here in car session. Uh, I've been doing a lot of NBA talk, a lot of NBA talking at this point in the summer as sports turnover, baseball are stepping to the forefront, training camps are around the corner. This, this is it. This is it, everybody. If you need your car session, NBA fix. Show for you over half the show. We're going to be discussing NBA. We're going to be talking about all this lockout talk I'm seeing circulating about.
3: I'm going to discuss
0: the state of the Lakers with our uh, guest Marcus Lamar and my homie Chris Blue Collar Sports, fellow Laker brethren in arms. We're going to discuss the Lakers. We're going to talk a little free agency. Um, it's a heavy show. Eddie Cigar is going to come on later to talk the Mets a little MOB at the All Star break. So I, I got a lot of things. That I'm gonna talk about tonight. I wanna take the I wanna take the music off for a minute here. Um, in the past week, as, as everybody knows, there's no secret. It's, it's a lot of things happening out here all over the United States. It's a lot of race-related issues. A lot of police brutality to the max going on. You know, cops taking lives in situations where brute force wasn't necessary. I just wanna say because this is a sports show and i i don't i don't want to turn off my core listeners or scare you away by politicizing too much but just just know that as a people as americans you know i i don't want to separate races as americans we need to stick together in these trying times and we need to do better as a whole we we want to we want to you know prop up ourselves as the top nation in the world but then these things happen and we kind of play ourselves So as the people, whoever's tuning in right now, spread the word. Do better. To all the officers out there, you didn't didn't sign up to take lives and and kill people in random traffic stops. And if you did, this isn't the job for you. You understand? You're here to protect and serve. People, we need to do better on our end as as a whole collective, as Americans. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm not I'm not here for that. It's not what I do. If you ever want to talk that kind of talk, we can have a private conversation. But as of right now, it's all about car sessions. So let's lock in, man. Um, I just want to quickly, quickly, very quickly, laugh at the New York Nets. Because as much as the Lakers caught a lot of grief for their free agency decisions... The Nets might have failed free agency at a level I've never seen before. <laughs> they, they tried to sign a slew of restricted free agents and all of the teams matched. It's kind of comical. That being said, all of you NBA fans who make it your business to kick the Lakers, kill the Lakers, every chance you get, you need, you need to take a trip to Brooklyn. Take a trip to Brooklyn and look at the failure. You went from Alan Crabb and, and Johnson out in Miami to possibly Bennett, the worst, first, number one overall pick possibly in NBA history and Dion Waiters. Ouch. So before I get into the lockout, I needed to take that time to discuss the New York Nets because it's extremely comical. It's funny to me. That we kill the Lakers and we kill all the teams, and the Nets are screwed. By the Nets have been failing as an organization since possibly their second year in in Brooklyn, and we're giving the Nets a pass. But you know what? You know, hopefully they figure something out. I don't have the draft pick situation in front of me, but God, if they're bad again this year, let's hope that they have a first round pick, or let's hope that their GM can trade their way into the first round again because they they can't possibly be this bad. They can't possibly be this bad again in the New York market. The New York market does not allow for this level of failure. You can be bad with the plan, but I'm talking about failure across the board on so many levels. That's horrible. Horrible. So the New York Nets, please do better. Be better. Anyway, to the more compelling issue at hand. Since July 1st, the official beginning of the NBA free agency period, it's been a lot of money you've been thrown around. I'm talking about contracts that leave you scratching your head till there's a patch in your head, man. I'm talking contracts for guys that you wouldn't believe are getting paid at this level. Timothy Boscoff. But uh beyond the contracts, beyond the player movement, beyond the questionable demands of certain players, the concerns for the fans of the NBA has been with this kind of money going around And the CBA coming to an end This this particular version Of the CBA Will there be a lockout because of the money That's being thrown around it's, There's sports fans who have basically Already decided that there's going to be a lockout You can't tell them any different You cannot tell them any different It's going to be a lockout and that's that And, and to them I, I, I have to disagree In the past A situation like this, we saw when the Big Three happened in Miami, it was all but certain that there would be a lockout. But the problem that sports fans have, and I always preach this on a as sports report, I'm not only here to talk sports, I'm here to enlighten and ask you, you know, to do a little bit of homework, do your research. The lockout that happened back in, I believe, 2011 was coming down the pike well before the Big Three came to play in Miami. That was going to happen. There was bad feelings on both sides for a few years, going all the way back to the lockout, I believe, in 1999. There was ill will between the owners and the players. On the flip side, the NBA business has never been any better than it is right now. If you think about the money that's coming into the league, and and by way of coming into the league, it's getting distributed out to the players— this is the most lucrative the NBA has ever been. This is not 2011 with a questionable salary cap and, and, and money restrictions. NBA players are slowly and steadily approaching MLB money, at least the top-tier NBA players. You know what I mean? And you know what that's, you know what that's because of? That's because of the CBA. And then there's certain things that's tied into the CBA by way of NBA revenue that's attached to the CBA, that's attached to the salary cap, that boosted up the salary of these players, right? So why would there be a lockout if there was language agreed upon that jumped up the salary cap? It ain't like the salary cap went up by happenstance here. The salary cap went up because it was expected to go up. This was no secret. There was guys who were prognosticating two to three years out that this will be the first of three jumps. Last year we jumped up, albeit a minor jump, but it was still a jump. It was new NBA money. It jumped up to 70 million. They prognosticated and forecasted that it will be somewhere in the 96 million or somewhere around there. It ended up being the cap. Then next year the cap is supposed to jump up to 107 million. But now, as of as of last week, projections show that it's going to be somewhere around 102 million dollars. So. To the NBA fan who's concerned that there's going to be a lockout, you have to remember that all of these things were planned for. You cannot be a, there cannot be a lockout in a situation where it was expected. This is not a surprise. I'm like, oh my God, we got new money. This is not found money, people. It's not found money. It's new money. It's almost like the NBA was itself. The NBA conglomerate as a whole was a player they was expecting to get a raise. And the new TV contracts by way of TNT, by way of ESPN, the billions of dollars that were put into place allow for this to happen. The spike, that's the word I was looking for. I wanted to say spike and ended up it happened. You know, I, I like to take you behind the scenes. I'm not perfect here. But uh, this was planned. That's the point. So out here worrying your head concerning yourselves about a lockout, it's too much money to be lost. It's not like before, people. There's so much money on the table. The NBA has gotten to a space, believe it or not, where as a whole, they've become too big to fail. The TV people right now, the networks, cannot afford, literally, cannot afford for there to be no NBA. They've put out too much money. The TV networks are essentially paying these players now. So they are not going to allow a lockout to come to pass because then there will be billions of dollars being wasted again keep this in mind a year from now when the CBA comes up none of this is a surprise the new money the big contracts none of it is a surprise the the scale of these contracts is simple math because the salary cap goes up the tiers of the contracts go up. It's not like the contracts are separate from the salary cap. Everything has slots. Every player is slotted in. Every mid to upper tier player is slotted in in the NBA. They're supposed to get certain contracts. There's no going low. There's no, I, I could give you a dollar right now or I could give you a hundred million dollars. They're slotted in at certain tiers. So instead of you losing your mind about player X getting a certain amount of money, don't get so hung up on the, the dollar figure. The dollar figure is going to be the dollar figure regardless of who gets it. You should be more hung up on the player who got the money, not the money itself. You understand what I'm saying to you? That's basically all I'm trying to say. We, there's so much concern, there's so much worry about a lockout. When everything is planned, it's all mathematics. Don't worry about it. The only thing that you guys need to concern yourselves with when it comes to the CPA, as of next year, when it's, when it's expired... Is how the new contracts are gonna fall in. Because now you're gonna start seeing a whole new slew of tiers. Because now you have guys like Alan Crabb getting nearly twenty million per year when he didn't he didn't do much to get twenty million. He's not a twenty million per year player. He's not a four-year seventy-five million dollar player. He's not. So now what you're gonna see is there's gonna be new language in the CBA that, that clearly states a middle class and clearly states an upper class. It's too much jumble in the middle. So that that's that's the new tier. It's not gonna take a lockout to do that. The TV contracts are what they are, and they've affected the bottom line. But now you have to make sure players know what their positions are. But, like, go back, going back to baseball, as much as a Giancarlo Stanton gets $310 million, myself, Jarvi, Ray Jarvis, cannot get $310 million because I'm not a $310 million player. And baseball has that clearly set up that you have to know your worth, and your, your agent knows your worth, and they negotiate they don't negotiate beyond a certain dollar figure. And now the NBA is gonna have to well not the NBA, the owners are gonna now have to negotiate that into the CPA so that players clearly know where they stand. So don't worry about a lockout. It's all simple math. It'll all be ironed out. The T V the T V contracts are what are was causing the spike in pay. But in the end, It'll all be good We got a
1: caller
0: coming in Caller, you're live at job Car session, sports report What's good?
2: Yo caller, you
1: there? Yo, you there? Yeah, I can hear you now What's good, man? Raiden right Dre in the house, man What's going on, brother? Oh, man um, I heard y'all talking about Krabby, man um, I'm a Brooklyn <laughs> Nets fan And on the reels, man I, I, I wanted Krabby, man you wanted um, them? Yes, I did, man. Yes, I did. Um, I understand people look crazy at the contracts, but like you said, it's all about the TV deals and all of that. I mean, right, right. I'm not even worried about the numbers. I look at it like a video game, man. I'm not an agent. <laughs> I ain't making no money off of these dudes. You know what I'm saying? So, there's going to be no lockout.
0: Uh, I, I mean, you, you're one of few. There's a lot of fans out here who, who saw these contracts flying out and automatically assumed there's going to be a lockout. So... It, it, it's tough. I got to speak to them. I got to let them know there's nothing to worry about.
1: You got to let them know. And let them know that Billy Billy Hunter probably got fired because of that. Uh, <laughs> he hooked up these players before he got fired. He hooked right. up these brothers, man, before he got fired with them contracts and all of that. And mm-hmm. I knew this was happening. If you follow in sports business, you knew with the TV deals eventually that minimum, players gonna be making like 12 mil and you just gotta hold that you know what I'm saying Absolutely. I mean that's just how it is imagine how much money the owners are making if they could pay that
0: you know what I'm saying and and that's what caused the last lockout because you had owners crying broke and everybody knew damn well y'all were not broke y'all were just pocketing the money
1: absolutely so they gotta spend some of that bread and you know crap you gotta get 20 mil a year even though you know he's not that crazy you know what I mean but certain players you know I know I like Krabby, I like his athleticism He played defense, he hit the three You know, three and D. That's what they're looking for nowadays, right? The three and D player, he's one of those players And I was willing to pay him that money Tyler Johnson I also like Tyler Johnson You know what I'm saying? On the low And I think he injected some youthful You know, hope With the Nets but They gotta take the L (laughs) Yeah man, yeah so now I got to look for Deion Waiters and Lance Stevenson and Jared Telling <laughs> to join the squad. You feel what I'm saying? I mean, which right. I'm not that mad at, but I want to and Tyler Johnson. True indeed.
0: But Raider, great. I hate to cut you off, but I got some people about to join me for the next segment. I appreciate the call. caller. next week, man.
1: No doubt. Three Boogie out.
0: Peace. Marcus, Chris, I see you. I'm going to get this one call in and we're going to get into this Lakers session. Caller, you live a job on Car Session
2: Sports Report. What's good? What's good, brother Ben? This is Stephon Bishop calling from Brooklyn. What up? What up? Yeah, man. I'm not a Nets fan, but chime in a little bit, man. I mean, as far as the CBA go, I think people are really upset because they don't understand the structure of it. Like, the owners were pocketing so much of the money, and the players fought to get it bigger. (laughs) But I don't think the players had the thought process to say, the owners are not going to negotiate who gets the money, because to the owners they gotta pay it regardless. So they don't care if they're Join paying a. Bob Joe or they don't care if they're paying LeBron James. They just want to hit that that cap floor so they don't get that penalty.
0: Exactly. But
2: I don't think I, I, f- I doubt there's gonna be a lockout. You know. What I mean? doubt like,
0: it now because you see the conversation these players are getting. The, the, the high level players are gonna be getting thirty mil and up per year. Guys like LeBron, oh, Cady's yeah. next deal, Westbrook's next deal. These guys are going to get paid. The TV money is almost like a security blanket for these cheap owners now.
2: Exactly. It's pretty much a, they're pretty much a playing with house money now. Yes. Now all they got to do is just go out there and sign the checks. They know the ratings are going to be there regardless. The NBA is probably the biggest league right now as far as like fan yes. favorite. So that money ain't going nowhere. All it's going to be is who's getting the most out of the pie. Exactly. So and that's and like
0: now, they got to they gotta do more tiers. It has to be a middle class. It has to be a low class. It has to be an upper class amongst these players. To me, Allen Crabb shouldn't be getting $75 million. But there's nothing in the CBA he that shouldn't. stops him from getting that. You know what I mean? It should be like performance-based it, contracts now.
2: That's what they need to do. But I don't think they'll push for that because what will happen is now the owners the, the owners like it because it's leverage. So the right. owners can look at it and say, "This is what you guys wanted. Now deal True. with it." That, yeah, that, if you that's, had it as a kid,
0: that's where it could get oh, funny. Sorry, that's that's where it could get funny. You're making a strong point, right? Yeah. There.
2: Yeah, because the owners are basically saying, "Well, we had it structured where the money was managed properly, and we had the talent spread across teams." Because think about it: even if they put tiered systems, you still can structure it where you can have a super team, a la you know Golden State, where. Yeah. Uh,
0: But yo, Stephon, I hate to kill this call Join me next Monday Or or during the week Maybe I'll I'll have a special salary cap conversation With yourself and the homie TJ We can really get in on this But I gotta keep pushing, man
2: Nah, man, do your thing, man
0: Definitely Alright, people, as promised Lakers round table Chris from Brew Collar and the homie Marcus Lamar, freelance writer, sports writer for Ebony Mag. Let's get him on here Call Session Sports Report. Chris, Marcus, up, man? welcome to the show. What's going, What's going up, man? on, man? What's going on? What's going on? Chris, real quick, just give him your background. Let him know what it's hitting for out in L.A. We're,
4: we're excited, man. Uh, the first two games, uh, a lot of pleasant surprises. D'Angelo, uh, about, he's developed a really nice post game. Uh, Zubac looks like a nice a little uh, mini version of uh, Marc Gasol. If he keeps doing that working, he, can, he has a nice, soft touch. Um, Brandon Ingram looked really good in Game 1. Game 2, they put a lot of pressure on him. You saw uh, he got he got worked a little bit. He needs to work good. there, but I really, really like the direction that the Lakers are heading into with this young team, this movement, the the way they'll be able to play free and not, not like before under Byron Scott, where he had his his nose and everything, and he he didn't (laughs) let these guys do what they needed to do, and you know, now it looks like with with these young rookies, though, with the way they're going to develop, and it it, it looks like it's going to be something great, because I really don't want this Westbrook trade as much as they're talking about it out here in Los Angeles, because let's be honest, Golden State's not going anywhere for the next four or five years, right? So even with Westbrook, we're not going to compete with Golden State. Let our guys grow organically. Let the young guys together, and, you know, then in a couple of years, when our boys are ready
0: to go, we make our run. True indeed. Marcus, Marcus, your, your take on what's happening out in L.A. Now.
5: Honestly, I agree with what Chris said. I love the fact that we can now move past the Kobe era. I love yes. to respect the Kobe. He's a legend. I love him, but that max contract they gave him, the reality is it set the franchise back two, maybe three years, but like Chris said, we got a lot of new young players. Um, we're moving in the right direction. Um, I kind of disagree with Chris. I think Westbrook is a special player because he's dynamic on the court and he can put butts in the seat. And obviously, as a business, you know, the whole uh, mecca that Staples Center is, that's the goal. If you look up and down the Lakers roster, I see that they went out and got Lou Dang. I'm not – crazy about the move, but I understand he brings veteran leadership. He's been around. He can kind of help galvanize the troops. Timothy Mozgov will address that. I'm not really happy with the amount of money that he got, but under the new agreement, I guess I can't really be mad at him. Um, But I just want us to get to a point where we're attractive enough where we can get... It doesn't have to be like the biggest free agent, but at least a free agent to want to commit to come play. I want them to be able to look at our roster and say, okay, I see what they're doing. I want to go be a part of that. I don't think we're quite there yet. Maybe another year or two. But right now, we've got young, uh, a group of players, and um, we're going to develop a core. But in two years, we just need to be able to have, like, that marquee player. And if Westbrook happens to be that guy and we can sort of build around him like they wanted to do with him in OKC, then so be it. But we're about two years out from actually talking about the Lakers being sniffing contention, we're not going to sniff okay. contention this year, but we'll be fine.
0: Uh, for me, when I look at the roster, I kind of understand the deals. Like I've been having a conversation with a few of my other Laker fan homies, and my whole idea is this: they had sixty million or so to spend, so this money had to go somewhere. They 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 essentially re- re- reallocated the funds from their top five players to two or three guys. Because they had to spend the bread. Why, why bring in high usage and expensive players if you're trying to develop Russell? If you're trying to develop Randall? If you're trying to develop Clarkson? Trying to develop Man exactly. Ingram, so on and so forth. It, it's kind of productive. We just had that with where You had a veteran taking opportunities away from the kids. So I kind of understand right. it. What, what hurt me yep. was the fact that the Mozgov signing put us in, put us under the eight ball from the rip with, within minutes of free agency opening. It was a bad look to give Mozgov $16 million. He's the perfect center for what they're trying to do in L.A., believe it or not. As much as these pundits want to say, oh, they're trying to re- replicate what the Warriors are doing, the Lakers don't necessarily know what exactly they want to do offensively yet. But they do know that they need right. a big man who can protect the paint. Moskov at 10 mil would have been cool. The 16 mil made us a laughing stock. I'm kind of tired of tuning in to Twitter, ESPN, CBS, or whatever other sports outlet there is to hear my squad getting roasted. So that was the issue that I had with the, the moves in terms of what it made us look like. But basketball wise, I think the Lakers will surprise some people. Um, Chris, you out west? Are the fans starting to warm to D'Angelo? Finally, like, are they starting to believe in this kid, or is it still shaky from that whole situation with Swaggy P last season?
4: You know, I think now that the the fans the the, the word out is that Swaggy P is no light no longer going to be a Laker. So and with the way that D'Angelo's looked in his last two summer games, uh, the leadership that he's displayed on the court, being really vocal with his teammates, being really positive, and he's backed it up with his play. I think it's going to be a matter of time before no one even remembers that anymore. Because right. Nick Young is really Nick Young's a, an afterthought now in Los Angeles. You know, so Ouch. you know that's yeah. It's not really the I was a fan when he came over. I liked the energy that he brought. But he, he just never really, you know, got out of his own way. He's been a knucklehead. And, you know, so now with DeAngelo, he's clearly talented. He's maturing. He's, he's, he's heading in the right direction. So, you know, right now everyone in LA is on good terms with DeAngelo.
0: Um, what about Lou Williams, Marcus? I feel like I don't think, to me, I don't want Lou Williams on the Lakers. What is, do you think Lou Williams should be on this particular team or should the Lakers try to do something with him?
5: Well, here's the thing. If we look to move him, you got to ask yourself realistically, what are you going to get? Initially, when he came over from, I believe it was the Sixers, I was all for it because I felt like he would give us like a spark off the bench. I still to this day question the re-signing of Metta World Peace. And going okay. back to the D'Angelo Russell thing, you gentlemen, you know how this goes. If Russell goes out there and produces this year, that incident last year will be an afterthought. If he starts right. struggling or he's in a profound slump, only then will people be like, oh, well, you know, that's when the jokes will kick up. But honestly, as a Lakers fan, I know what happened. I don't really care to get into the details. Like, it wasn't, like, that much of an egregious offense. It's not like he cheated or used, like, performance-enhancing substances. Like, he violated a lot of room code, you know. Right. But if he goes up there and averages 12 or 18 and, and 9, people aren't going to care about that. I just, Agreed. I've never been a fan of him from day one. And I've tried to give him a chance to win me over. You okay. know, Because if you look at him on tape, he's not it's not one thing that you can really identify that he does, like, really, really, really well. He's not really explosive. He's not consistently a three-point shooter. It's not like he, he can just rip off, like, 12 or 15 assists, like, kind of like a Rondo, where Rondo may only right. score six points, but he'll get you, like, 17 assists. So uh-huh. I'm still trying to wait for him to find his niche. Hopefully he does that this year, and if he does – And that'll help stabilize the point guard position Um, because our backups you know, you got Lou Williams, you got Calderon, who any of us could be better than Calderon. So, I mean, (laughs) that's just the reality of it.
0: You know, for me, I think we had this conversation in the past, Marcus. I'm all in on D'Angelo. From the draft process a year ago, he was the guy that I pinpointed and I liked for the Lakers. I think some of what we haven't seen from D'Angelo Russell, I blame on
4: Folded
0: arms. got. I'm talking about former Lakers head coach. I blame him for the lack of oh, development from everybody across the board. You know, I feel like D'Angelo Russell, in certain degrees, was handcuffed. He was straightjacketed last season. Already, we already see him dunking the ball. I don't think I saw Russell dunk at all last season. Seeing him play with a certain uh-huh. level of explosiveness, a certain level of freedom. You know, trying to be more vocal. Last year, you had that that foolish coach saying things like, "Oh, he tried to take the game over. That's not his place." But then, in the post game news conference, you're saying you want to win games. Which one is it, faded eyebrows? So, so at the end of the day, I think D'Angelo Russell is gonna shine now. I, especially in the system that he's in, I fully expect yep. him to show out and shine. I think that the Lakers have you have two six five guards. This is people not talking yep. about. They cook the roast Lakers. But you literally have two six-five long, athletic to some degree guards. You have you have a six-nine small forward who's going to shine in the Ingram. Randall's a piece. Nance is a piece. I don't know about Zubac so much, but I trust Mozgov to play some defense. The Lakers they're not going to blow people out, but they're going to be a lot better than people expect. Call me a Laker homer, but I know basketball, and I think the Lakers are going to surprise some people. Um, but to the front office, Chris. Um. And I'm going to ask Marcus the same question. Once Chris is finished, I can just follow right in. As of right now, we we doing this roundtable conversation. What what are your feelings about Jim Bus? Are you still off Jim Bus? Are you smelling when he's stepping? Are you rocking with him? Like, what do you feel about Jim Bus? Chris, start with you, then Marcus. You can follow right in.
4: Uh, well, with Jim Bus, I it
0: it it, it kind of goes both ways because
4: if you look at a lot of things, you can be angry, but he he did get a bad rap because. You know, right off the gate, when the team was pretty much handed to him, when he was the head of basketball operations, he pulled off the trade for Chris Paul while clearing a of $20 million. And everything was all good. And then, you know, then you find out the details behind it, where he kind of screwed up that trade, doing it during the owner's meeting, when the, team, when the Hornets weren't even owned by anybody. But he, he's kind of rebounded by him and Mitch have really drafted well. They've cleaned right. up in the second round with, with Larry Nance Jr., Jordan Clarkson. Uh, hopefully something comes good out of Zubac. It, 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 it looks like Ingram's going to be a winner and is going to be something special. They, they've really done something well in the draft, and I, and I think they've built, they're building a team. And once again, it's becoming like that beautiful Laker tradition where they're getting these, these players organically. And I think that, that, that's a credit to Jim Buss as much as it is to Mitch Kuchek. I really think now Jim Buss kind of got a bad rap through the year.
5: Hmm. Marcus. Well, here's the thing. Obviously, we know uh, the Lakers front office, they were in a bit of a, a conundrum because they were strapped with the responsibility of, do we compensate Kobe or do we focus on life after Kobe? They ultimately chose to compensate him. Most people got upset with that, but at the end of the day, we still went to the game and we still got why they did what they did. But if we go all the way across the East Coast, wasn't it just last year that New York Knicks fans wanted Phil Jackson's head? But right. a year later, we fast-forward, and with the key acquisitions of Joaquin Noah, Derek Rose, and um, I forgot who else they got, but now it's like Knicks fans are kind of quelled. They're like, oh, you know, that's not so bad. So my take <laughs> on the Lakers front office, yes, they dropped the ball in the past with the whole, how do we handle Kobe? If you right. look what happened in Miami, Pat Riley said, I'm not budging and I respect his decision 110%. Dwayne Wade got his money elsewhere, more power to you. You got three rings right. at the end of the day. Right, right. Jim, um, Jim Buck and the front office are doing a good job of rebuilding the team. Like I said, it's going to take time because Kobe's contract strapped us financially. You know, yep. It strapped the morale. It prohibited people from actually wanting to come. But the West, is, and I keep telling people this, the West is not the big bad West that it was a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? Like where one to eight was like stacked and yep. everybody had 50 wins. If you think about it going into this year, the only two teams we're really going to focus on are the Warriors and the Spurs. People want to say the Thunder, but we got to see how they're going to be without Kevin Durant. But the Warriors and Spurs are for sure fire bets. You might as well pencil them in the Western Conference Finals. So the Lakers <laughs> in two or three years could potentially find themselves into a fifth or succeed if they stay the path that they're on. They just need one yep. big free agent in two or three years.
0: True sure, indeed. Um, for me, with Jim Buss, I, I think I've been one of the few Lakers fans who has stayed the course from day one up until now. I, I, I've taken flack for it. I've taken heat. I've gotten beat up in conversation. How can you like Jim Buss? What are you talking about? He's ruining the Lakers. Don't get me wrong. The Mike D'Antoni hire is, is the one thing that has stuck with me throughout the years. I went to sleep thinking I was getting my big homie Phil Jackson. I woke up to a alert on my iPhone saying that Mike D'Antoni was hired as the new Lakers head coach, and, and that right there, that killed me a little bit. The Mike Brown hiring prior to that, I kind of, I kind of sided with it he was a defensive-minded coach, and the year before that, we couldn't play defense worth a damn, but that was more about the fact that we were getting older coming off with three straight finals runs more than anything else, but I've been a Jim Buss apologist, Um, I feel like you can't, you can't give Jerry Buss all the credit for the last two titles and, and just toss Jim Buss to the side, he was right there with them building those teams, he was a big part of the power soul trade. He was a big part of the Bynum draft, which led to uh, Dwight Howard eventually. He made the CP3 trade, although it was bad timing to make the CP3 trade. So how can you bash a guy and say he can't do his job when he's made great decisions in the past? I will say that his ego got in the way of a couple of things. But in the end, that Kobe contract, people give Jeannie Buss a pass. But she was a big part of that Kobe contract, too. The, the, the thank you for everything contract that sent us back a few years. So I was like, how can you kill Jimmy and give Genie a pass? You know what I mean? So that being said, I like the draft picks. I like what the younger Busses who don't get a lot of love they've been doing in the scout department. I think that the Lakers are on the right path. The Kobe deal was, was a result of the infighting uh, by the, the bus family. I think that Genie and Jim can do a better job of communicating. I, but I'll say that I feel like Mitch Kupchak needs to not be there in terms of the middle man. I think there needs to be a more charismatic guy, a more peopleish kind of guy in, 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 in that kind of position. Because I feel like if a brother or sister are going to infight, there needs to be somebody in the middle who's a people person enough to where they can could, they could smooth over things on each side of the fence. Um, Chris, you're the closest one within that situation. Is it is there anybody that can, can make the Lakers situation a little bit smoother between brother and sister out there or is it just, it is what it is?
4: Can you repeat that one more time?
0: Is there anybody that you would have in mind that can smooth over the the rift between Genie Bus and Jim Bus?
4: I mean, I I think it just—it really has to be. They have to let their egos down. Um, Okay. Jim Bus is—you know—he does have his ego. He—he—he's confident in what his ability is, and he doesn't want to hear any other way about it. And Genie Bus, I feel, is kind of on wanting Phil Jackson here really bad. So, you know, it's just going to have to be kind of an an ego check and they're going to have to make a compromise. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it remains to be seen. It's, it's, you know, you just got to hope and pray that, you know, they do come to an understanding. True indeed. Marcus,
0: any any, any thoughts on what could be done to, to fix that relationship from your perspective?
5: Well, for, for starters, I mean you gotta put the ego aside fighting is natural in any family but especially when you work with the person that you're related to so i don't think you you could stick gandhi in between the two and it still (laughs) would make a difference like it's going to be some type of turmoil and dissension but it doesn't have to be like of the epic proportions which it was i do think that bus saved some faith with the hiring of Luke Walton. Now, I will say this. We're going to find out if Luke Walton really can coach this year. I'm not yes. trying to take away anything from him and his 39-2 and two start with the Warriors, but let's be honest. You give someone the MVP, you give him another looping shot shooter, <laughs> and you give him Draymond Green. And I'm not going to say you just press X and O's, but they helped him a tremendous amount. But now he's coming to a young team. This is his first real coaching gig. There's no right. Steve Kerr in the background. There's no Jerry Jerry West up top, so we're gonna find out if he can really coach this year. And I'm looking forward to it. I hope he's ready for the challenge. But <laughs> I like I like the fit there. I do. I like him. He's young, he's energetic, and I support him 100%. Marcus,
0: I love how you, you slide the, the the dagger in the ribcage, but then you give a compliment while sliding the dagger in the ribcage. I'm not gonna take anything away, but he did have a <laughs> Real Real smooth. <laughs> but uh, um, this this was fun, fellas. I'd like to do this maybe prior to the season. Have us come back on, you know, prognosticate a little bit. You know, once we see what the Lakers look like in preseason with the full squad and everything, would y'all be down to do that? Definitely, Definitely man. All right, real quick, Chris promo your show. Let them know where they can find you.
4: Oh uh, yeah, uh,
0: hashtag Blue Collar Sports.
4: You can find us on uh, SoundCloud and you can find us on iTunes and look us up on Instagram at
5: Blue Collar Sports Podcast.
0: Definitely. Marcus, let them know where they can find you, man.
5: You guys can find me on ebonymagazine.com with the free agency that's been happening. The start of the football season in a month. It's about to be real crazy. Just look for me for anything breaking. I'm going to write about it. You can read about it. So, that's www.ebony.com. You can search Marcus Lamar and you'll find all my latest reads, NBA, NFL related.
0: Definitely. Fellas, I appreciate y'all for coming on. Have a good one. And you. Basically. All right, we, we we got a couple of minutes before the big homie Eddie Segara comes on to talk a little mess, a little MLB action in there. You know, with everything that's been going on in the NBA, it felt like Wimbledon kind of snuck by. We had the Euro 2016 that in America, we know what it is overseas, but in America, it kind of snuck by. I want to big up. Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo hurt his knee he, he knew what was on the line big reputation, saw what happened out there with Messi in the Copa America not winning a major tournament he tried to gut it out but you saw in the highlights from the time he injured his knee the way his knee bent, you knew what would happen, I want as much as he's a diva, as much as he's done things that make sports fans raise their eyebrows and look at him sideways when he got hurt he didn't just stay in the locker room and sulk because he's Ronaldo and he can't play anymore. He came back out. He he allegedly, based on what his teammates were saying, gave him a speech of a lifetime. He came out limping and all, tears in his eyes when the, when the, when the game and the goal was scored. I want to shout him out for that because Divas is supposed get a bad rap because... All we we know as the consumer of sports is the diva activities. But to see a real human moment, I feel like the the Euro 2016 injury humanized Ronaldo in a way that would have not happened had he played and scored the game-winning goal. So I want to salute him for that. And I want to salute people who actually noticed that and gave him the credit as opposed to trying to find a way to make it about him. He was all about the team. He knew his rep was on the line. He knew that his country was behind him. He knew his teammates had his back. And Salute to that, man. I'm impressed with Ronaldo. I'm not one of those who kick him. I like ego in sports. I feel like if you're going to play sports at the highest level, you have to have ego. It's impossible to do what you do as an athlete, right, and not have ego. That, that, is, that right there is a contradiction of the highest order. These guys put in years. They get super nice. They, they're flowing with testosterone, and then you want them to lie in interviews and be fake humble, when in reality, they're behind the scenes saying, Yo, I'm that nice, B. Like, I'm nicer than everybody. So, so shout out to the to the ego of the athlete that's a line that I use a lot on both sides of the fence but in this regard the ego of the athlete meant the humility of the athlete and it made for a nice moment in tennis Andy Murray won Wimbledon Serena Williams got her 22nd major I feel like Serena Williams winning 22 is not being talked about enough it's not being talked about enough Serena Williams arguably might be the greatest athlete alive today Not the greatest female athlete The greatest Now people are going to get confused I'm going to talk about this in a future podcast I've been promising it It's a difference between better and greater Those are not the same things when it comes to sports and sports talk But in terms of her field What she does as an athlete What her resume is 22 singles championships And we can't even talk about We can't forget about The doubles championships with her sister Venus Serena Williams is arguably the greatest athlete alive today. Greatest active athlete alive today. And when everything happened in the free agency, everything happening with MLB and all star and home run derby and all of this, she gets a couple of minutes in these sports supports and then I'd say, Oh, she won Wimbledon twenty two. Is, is she as best? Is she good as the past female tennis players? Listen, listen. She transcends gender. This beyond gender now. In fifty years from now, when the next great female tennis player or great tennis player comes about, we need to start talking about twenty-two. Right? On the other side is Federer. I believe with seventeen. Federer gets more love for 17 than seventeen, and Serena with twenty-two. Listen, that has to stop. It has to stop. She's the greatest. Everybody who's a sports fan, especially in tennis, because tennis is not as represented in terms of the major sports like a, like a football, basketball and baseball. Tennis circles need to rally around Serena and do what's necessary. Nike, that, that's a sponsor. They need to start doing these ad campaigns and start calling her the GOAT because she's the GOAT. But my counter argument to this is that what's going to happen when Serena steps down? What's going to happen to the sport? Are we going to care? Golf is is allegedly in a better place. But do we care about golf now that Tiger's gone? Let's be honest about it. The sport has to adjust. Right now, Roger Federer has been around for... So how many tennis players have been around for as long as Federer's been around in terms of past the prime? He's been past his prime for a long time but still going deep into these tournaments. Right now, male tennis, men's tennis, excuse me, only has about... Three and a half guys. Because Rafa Nadal is is half of what he used to be. and that's ah. Djokovic. Roger Federer. Andy Murray. I want to make sure I put him in order. These guys are not getting any younger. Djokovic probably has another year or two years at this level. Andy Murray's been just picking up the scraps. When Federer kind of falls off and he slips in the tournament, Murray sneaks in and gets a championship. We can't depend on about... Four to six names because Sharapova's right now suspended to carry the sport. Tennis right now, I know they're not a, a star-developing sport, but I think now they, they need to follow the model of these other sports that make stars. It's time. Because a lot of these, don't, no, there's no teenage sensations in tennis right now like that. It's time for that next star to be created by tennis. They have to follow the, the modern model. There's a lot of social media out here. You see what you got. Where you got Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook. Instagram or whatever new social media device, the Pokemon app, that's that's the craze right now. I get a Charmander on a tennis court or something. So it's just like, listen, as great as these tennis players are, as Serena is the GOAT, tennis needs to be concerned because there's nobody floating. I, 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 when I watch these tournaments, you might hear the commentators sneaking a name who's on the up. I'm not even hearing about that. All the names that have been spoken about in the past, they flamed out and they didn't make it to the next level. So I'm concerned about tennis as a sport And I wanted to point that out And some football news Um, Next week, myself and TJ When he comes on for his segment on car sessions We're going to be doing an 8 week NFL preview series We'll pick a division each and every week To break down, dissect, prognosticate And do what we do But beyond that A source, a highly reputable source Within the Victor Cruz camp Gave me some intel that he was running every route in the route tree, cutting viciously, and the knees holding up. So Giants fans who've been concerned, like myself, who kind of have, I've, I personally written off Victor Cruz, I'll be I'll be the first one to admit it. Victor Cruz is looking like Victor Cruz again when you can run every route in the route tree with no issue at all. Odell Beckham might have a running mate. That's very big. And again, this Cruz, this, this, this source is very, very highly ranked. When I say he literally stands next to Victor Cruz and he gave me that intel, I told him, listen, you're telling me this, I'm going I'm to I'm blow it up on car sessions. So there you have it, Giants fans, get hyped. V. Cruz is back. We got Shepard. We have Odell. Eli's going to be MVP this year. Yes, I'm saying it again. Be on the lookout for the New York Giants. And with that said, the homie Eddie Sagara is on the line. Let's get him on in for some Mets and MLB talk. Eddie! What's
4: going on? Hey, thanks for having me
3: on.
0: What up, what up, what up, man? I'm, 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 I sound like I'm in good spirits, but I was very disgusted yesterday at about 4.30. Can, can you talk me off the ledge with our New York Mets? Because I, I, I'm, feel, I'm in my feelings right now. You
3: know, it's looking a little bleak after three straight losses to the Nationals. But hey, you know what? The All Star break came at a at the perfect time. It might sound cliche, but hey, <laughs> if the playoffs if the playoffs started today. You know, the Mets are in the playoffs. Mets, okay. remember okay. that.
0: Man, right, if you say so. If you say so, Eddie. Um, I feel like a week ago we were at City Field. We were doing our thing. We were being great. We, we saw the Cubs. We saw a great comeback victory. Technically, it wasn't a comeback because all the Cubs runs king. We weren't in our seats, so technically the Mets won four to nothing. But a week later, a week later, the Nationals make us look very amateur. But beyond that, you know the Nationals.
3: Uh, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Though I mean, I mean uh, they you need to go to more games, Ray, because they are undefeated <laughs> in games that you attend. <laughs> I don't have the same win-loss record that you do. They have lost the game in the. They've lost the game. They are four and one against attend. They're yes. undefeated in games you go to. So you need to get a season pass right.
0: I. You know what, Eddie? You might be right. The, the streak ha- is living strong when I'm in City Field, and it might be time for a season pass. I can't guarantee eighty-one and zero, but may, maybe seventy-one and ten if I'm in the building. But um, how concerned are you about this Matt Harvey injury? Um, this is a big surgery. I'm afraid that it could go either way. It could be career ending, or guys could come back and be somewhat useful. W- w- what do you for with this Harvey thing? I feel like Harvey might be. I think the flame might be out on Harvey Eddie. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you.
3: I mean, you know, obviously, um, last year's workload has should have a lot to do with uh, Matt Harvey not performing to expectations this season. You know, right? I mean, right. he pretty much it more innings than any pitcher has ever pitched coming off a of Tommy John surgery but you know, I will never discount that guy's heart because he very easily could have just said hey I'm calling off a surgery there's no way I'm pitching in the postseason I'm not going to jeopardize my career I'm not going to jeopardize my future earnings but you know what they you know he went for it and obviously this year showed. you know he, he had glimpses he, he didn't He he had a terrible year, You know, he had a good start here. He had a good start there. But, you know, right now, you can't trade him at Harvey this offseason. You know, there was talk about trading him last offseason. They held on to him. You can't trade him this offseason because he doesn't have any value.
0: Nobody Um, wants him. What are you going to do?
3: (laughs) Uh, I mean, but you know what? I'm sure Matt Harvey's going to work extremely hard to get back to the Matt Harvey that we're accustomed to seeing, you know? So um, I don't think the Mets are losing much this season because the DRA was approaching five. But I think, right. uh, you know, with the trading deadline, like, you know, in a couple of weeks, I think uh, I think Sandy in the front office should prioritize uh, pitching instead of hitting. Okay. Kidding.
0: Okay. Um... What about Noah Syndergaard? now we we had one guy with shoulder issues, and now literally the next day or the day of the season ending announcement for Matt Hardy Harvey, Syndergaard has a dead arm. I'm not necessarily concerned about him. The way he talks, I tend to believe him when he's hurt from when he's not hurt um can Can I count on Thor or should we start looking towards making deals for pitching?
5: You absolutely
3: have to You absolutely have to make a deal for pitching. And I know all Mets fans love Noah Syndergaard. I love Noah Syndergaard. But, uh, you know, he came out of his last start um, with arm fatigue. Like, yep. what is that? Arm fatigue. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I've never heard that. I've never heard of that. And then I think what's most concerning was the fact that when he was taken out of the game against the Nationals, he was throwing 92-93, and, you know, for some starting pitchers, that's where they max out at. But this is a guy that throws 100 miles an hour. So I knew something was up. So if I'm, I, I am concerned for Thor. I am concerned for Syndergaard. If I'm Terry Collins, though, you know, coming out of the All-Star break, I would give him some time. You know, I wouldn't have him start that first game coming off the All-Star break. I would give him a few days off, you know. I would have the Grom start the first game after the All-Star break. I I would probably um, have him start the second series after the All-Star break. I believe they play, um, I think, the Marlins or the Braves. They play Phillies. Yeah, you know, same thing with Steven Matz, though. You you, kind of wonder, you worry, hey, is his next pitch his last pitch, you know. Um, he hasn't been able to pick up a win in his, his last eight starts. He has pitched quite effectively lately, but got the whole bone spur thing. You just kind of worry if he throws a curveball, is that is going to be his last pitch of the season? You know.
0: You know, Eddie, I feel like both situations when those reports came about, when it was initially Matt, then it was Thor, then he made his next start. I felt like right then and there, those starts should have been skipped. If you could, if you could throw that bum Logan Verrett in there, call, call up Montero, let him get a spot start, because you cannot, you cannot leverage the arms of these guys. If the Mets are going to do anything, it's going to be, be because of the arms. We know that the Mets offense comes and goes, so you need to have those arms incubated, literally, <laughs> until October, because at this point. I'm starting to feel a weird energy surrounding the Mets. Before, I had a lot of confidence. You know, I was the metapologics at the start of the season. But the constant injuries. Every time we – notice, sir, Eddie, every time we get to nine games over 500, we can't get to 10 games over 500. You're, or somebody gets hurt. You know somebody what? Gets hurt. To that point up. the Mets were
3: allergic to, to going 10 games over 500. Once they get Absolutely. to that man's nine-game mark, they're like, you know what? they don't want to get to 10 games over. let lose a couple of games.
5: There you go. I mean,
3: it's extremely frustrated, but you know, I'm I'm optimistic because once again, if the season were to end today, the Mets would be in the playoffs. I mean, the, the Mets are six games behind the Nationals. Um, the Nationals are gonna struggle. They have their flaws. Just as the Mets have their flaws, just as the Marlins, just as the Pirates and the Cardinals, and et cetera. But the Mets you will
0: know,
3: the Mets will be. I okay. hope so.
0: My, my, like, glass-half-empty theory for me is that eventually the Mets are like an old car and an engine on a long road trip from New York to L.A. The engine has been holding up. It's been a couple of hiccups. But then as soon as we get to Vegas, the engine is going to conk out. That's what I'm looking at the Mets, that these injuries are eventually going to take its toll on us. But on the flip side of that, glass-half-full, these injuries are going to make us tougher. And guys who are getting rest... Guys like Duda, guys like Cespedes get these so these days off snuck in here and there. Eventually, when hopefully we can get a six man rotation or skip a start here and there from some of these kids. That late in the season, when teams are starting to fade, the Mets are gonna make their push. So I'm I'm I'm. There's no gray area for me. It's either we're gonna crash and burn or we are setting up for something really great in the fall. That's how I'm feeling. Neither.
3: You're, absolutely, you're 100% correct. Just when you're ready to get off the Mets bandwagon, they pull you back in. And two, two things I'd like to point out. One, Reyes has been great. He's probably not hitting for average. He had two home runs the other day against the Nationals, though. He's going to be a spark plug, he's extremely motivated. And two, was the message without Bartolo Colon? He was signed. He was signed in the off season to be their fifth starter. I mean, he's probably been our second or third best starter all season long, you know. And then with the uncertainty of Zach Wheeler, I mean, Bartolo's gonna pitch every five days. He's not going to the bullpen anytime soon.
0: Uh, without Big Bart. The Mets would be so far up the river. There would be no 4-0 no streak. I would not be at City Field. I'll be pulling out the little hair that I have because I only have a Caesar, and I'll be stressed out, blowing your phone <laughs> up with <or> text <laughs> messages and cash. Because you know how I get when the Mets are losing. loser. Your inbox blows up with angry messages for me. So I want to thank Bartolo Colon, and he deserves to be an all-star. But, Eddie, real quick, let's shift gears before people say they're only talking about the Mets. What about the rest of the Major League Baseball? Uh, For you, I wanted to talk first-half MVPs. I know you keep your eye on the sport. So, out in the American League and in the National League. Quickly, we got about four minutes left in the show. In the American League and the National League, who are the two players who you feel are the most deserving of MVP right now? I mean, right
3: now in the National League, as much as if, uh, you know, as, much as Mets fans don't want to hear this,
0: can you
3: Murphy? Where would the uh. Nationals be without can you Murphy seven home runs, 21 RBIs against the Mets this season. I mean, he's right now. He, he's right in the discussion for MVP. And for the American League, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a crowded bunch. Uh, I mean, if, if the season were to end today, I'd probably give it to Manny Machado. Um, okay. You know, the um, Baltimore Orioles are in first place. There really hasn't been that one player in both leagues that has kind of separated themselves. In the MVP discussion, I mean, you could easily make a case for Chris Bryan from the Cubs. You could make you can make a case for Mike Trout, even though his team is like almost 20 games under 500. So, um, I think the second half of the season will get a clearer picture as to who the MVP is in these league.
0: For me, you kind of you kind of stole my answer. No matter, no matter how bad the Angels are, I think Mike Trout is the best in the game, point blank. Period and and I feel like they need to free him. I kind of asked you that question because I wanted to start my free Mike Trout campaign. Free Mike Trout. He does not deserve to be in Los Angeles of Anaheim. It's not even L.A. It's Anaheim. Free that man. Just not to the Yankees, though. Not to the Yankees. Um, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe trade Mets for this guy. The Mets could use him. But out in the National <laughs> League, I <laughs> in the National League. I'm looking at Yowena Cespedes. I believe it's gonna come down to Cespedes and Daniel Murphy. Whoever wins the NL East, and it's gonna come down to September. Whoever wins the NL East, is gonna be the NL MVP. I got, I'm all in you on what? Cespedes because where would the Mets be I, without him?
3: You know what? As much as I wanted to say Yowena Cespedes, you're absolutely right though. Where would the Mets, where would the Mets be without him though? They're they're easily 10 to 15 games under 500 without Yowena. Whenever he's not in the lineup, it is felt. You just don't have that middle of the old. You just don't have that guy you fear without a Yoana Sess. But as the people said, hey, um, you know, he's a 260, 270 hitter. Will he be motivated? He's probably on pace to have the best season of his career. <laughs> so if, if he could stay on the field, I think you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a two-man race between seen Transformer Matt Daniel Murphy
0: I absolutely agree Eddie As always You always knock it out Of the park We'll be back next week Hopefully Next week It'll be a Mets sweep Coming out of Philly Looking real strong man
3: uh, Thanks for having me on Ray
0: As always Thank you for coming on Eddie We need you on right now This is the Mets season You keep me level Cause when I get emotional Eddie, Eddie Eddie's level <laughs> yeah,
3: Alright right. Till next week Alright Till next time
0: Alright folks, that's, that, that's about it, I'm gonna do it, you know, car sessions, Yeah, I, I, I like this show man, I, I, I like doing what I do, this show was fun today, we, had, we, we covered a lot of topics, and no seriously though, Free Mike Trout, Serena Williams is the GOAT, and I brought this music back on because everybody loved the NWO music last week, so I figured I would close the show out with the Just Too Sweet game because car sessions is just too sweet, Until next time, y'all, I'm out of here. TJ on the boards, I see you, bro.